of that question. In fact, as I'm beginning, our children are invited to go back to Children's Church. They've got a great uh, experience planned for you as you are with your leaders and opportunities to uh, find a little bit more about Christmas as well. They've been celebrating the Advent candle that we have been uh, doing in the uh, adult services as well, thinking about the hope and the peace and the, and the joy and love that God gives us. But how many have heard the question, are you ready for Christmas this, uh, this month? Anybody heard that question? Uh, probably numerous times, and not only by people who you know, family and friends, but also strangers. And the last, are, are you ready for Christmas? And really, you could answer that question probably every year the same way. There is never a Christmas I'm fully ready for. There's always too much to do, too many things to uh, uh, fulfill on your to-do list, too many cards to send, too many uh, gifts to buy, too many things to uh, uh, go to, plan for. And, and you seem like you're never totally ready for Christmas. But probably more importantly than that is, is that we need to recognize what, what is Christmas all about. Uh, but in the midst of all that we do, sometimes we just feel we just can't get it done. I was reading a story about this mom, and she was taking her teenage daughter to the mall for the last-minute Christmas shopping. And so they were, they were fighting the lines. They were running from one place to the next in terms of the midst of all the stores. And, and finally, the day was over. And as they were leaving the mall, going to their car, the mom turned to the daughter and said, did you see that woman give me that dirty look when we were leaving the mall? To which the daughter said, no, she didn't give you that look when you left the mall. You had that look before you came in. <laughs> and isn't that true? I mean, we, we, sometimes in the midst of a, a season that we ought to be filled with joy, we're, we're filled with just too much to do, too many things and too many people to see. But even in the midst of the busyness and even in the midst of all that this season offers, we need to ask ourselves the question, in the midst of Christmas, have we cluttered Christmas? Have we just got too many things going on that, the, that we really miss what it's all about? You know, as you think about what bombards us in our world, uh, advertisement, and not only advertisements, but all kinds of things that are on the screen. I, I was reading one particular statistic, there, there were 48 thousand hours given toward holiday programming i mean that's a lot of hours i think even lifetime had 50 new movies this year or whatever i think my daughter saw every single one of them all right but but as you as you think of all the programming they they did some analysis of it and they found out of all the religious program not just religious program but just programming during this christmas season they discovered that only that 90 percent of it had nothing to do with spiritual themes nothing uh, normally, it was uh, someone finding their, their, their love of their life, uh, uh, dealing with maybe a child that they were rescuing, but nothing related to any kind of spirituality. But then as they began to analyze that, not only the, in the midst of all those hours, uh, 90% have had nothing to do with any spiritual theme. Uh, in the midst of the, the other 10% that was left, 7% of it had nothing to do with the Christ of Christmas. So they, they might have had a prayer here or there. They might have seen a, a church there or a synagogue or whatever it might, but nothing had to do to define the Christ of Christmas. So in the midst of all those hours projected on a screen, only 3% of them had anything to do about Jesus. And if you take Christ out of Christmas, you don't have much left, do you? And so what I want to talk about this morning is, is how can we declutter our Christmas? And, and how can we focus on really what it's all about? Uh, one other thing that just struck me um, as I was reading this past um, this past month, uh, there was a survey done on um, you know man on the street. When you think of the Christmas story, what comes to mind? Now that's kind of pointing people in the right direction, isn't it? 
I mean, what's Christmas all about? Well, you can kind of, but when you think of the Christmas story, what comes to mind? You know what the number one answer was? No, the movie, the Christmas story. How many have seen the movie that was, was 1983? It's now become the classic. They've done some surveying in terms of all the, the Christmas story type films. Which one is the most important to you? And, and now it's, it's, it's surpassed. It's a wonderful life for that old classic in the past. And now it's the cr- Christmas story. Remember what that was all about? It was about, it was about this. It was about the Red Rider, carbon action, 200 shot, range model, air rifle, uh, BB gun. And be careful or you'll shoot your what? Your eyes out. Now, that's what Christmas is all about in America. Well, well somehow we've kind of missed it. But if, if you're feeling kind of intimidated a little bit this morning, don't be, because we're not the first generation to ever miss Christmas. Uh, because even more sad, I guess you could say, is that at that first Christmas, they missed it. Or, or to put it in the way I want to talk about this morning, they weren't ready for it. They weren't ready for Christmas. And so this morning, I, I want to kind of bring us all into our experience this Christmas and ask ourselves the question, are, are we really ready for it? And to put it on the negative, and hopefully you'll see the positive of it, the other alternative, you are never ready for Christmas. I am never ready for Christmas if these things are true about me. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me give you them all at once in case you decide to doze off later on in the service. Uh, is, is when are you never ready for Christmas? You're never ready for Christmas if you're too busy. Now, most of us are saying, okay, raise the hands right now. <laughs> I'm there, right? If you're too busy, you're never ready for Christmas. Secondly, if you're too troubled, if you're just overwhelmed with all the things that are bombarding you, just, just driving you down, then you're not ready for Christmas. Or, or, or just on the other side, maybe you're just too comfortable. Just, just things are going too well. And, and somehow you don't, you don't see what life is, is all about and the challenges out there. And you're just, you're just comfortable. And here's one that I don't even want to say, but if you're too religious, you're not ready for Christmas. Well, let's see that in the first story and then see how that kind of mirrors our story often when we're we're not really ready for this this time of year that seems to come around every year. Have you, have you discovered that? You know, December comes around you know, once every single year. And no matter what your age is this morning, you've you've had other Christmases. The issue is, are, are you really ready for this one? And maybe you could ask yourself, have you ever been ready for Christmas? Well, let's look at it this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, the New Testament. It's the last third of the Bible. And if you got there, that we'll, we'll be looking at the very first book in the New Testament, the book of Matthew, and then we'll flip over to the book of Luke. We'll be in just two chapters, uh, one, Matthew 2, and also Luke 2. And so if you want to put something in both those uh, pages, that, that'll help you as we kind of look at it this morning. But let's look at what happened that first Christmas that should warn us about our Christmases and being ready for it. Number one, you, you are too busy um, for Christmas. And, and who does that remind us of? It reminds us of the innkeeper. Look at Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 4. And it says, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and, and scribes of the people... Oh, let me back up, because actually I want to be in Luke 2, not Matthew 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 4. Um, 
we have the, uh, the experience of, of Joseph and Mary coming into to Bethlehem. Verse 4. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, and into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in, a, in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there is no room for them in the what? Inn. Now, if you have an inn, you probably have a. Let me let me just try this over. Um, if you. <laughs> If you have an inn, you probably have someone who's in charge of the inn. So you probably have a, oh man, I thought you were a sharp group until I asked that question. All right. If, if you have an inn, you probably have an innkeeper. And so what we want to focus is on, on that innkeeper. And it's quite possible that very first Christmas, he was not just busy. He was what? Help me out. You got to help me out here. This is going to be a long message. I can, I can preach for an hour if you want me to. All right. This, this. Innkeeper was not just busy, he was too busy. And, and why I want to emphasize this in the very beginning, and you're going to have me, make me work this morning. All right. It, it, there are certain things in life we can't control. Have you, have you discovered that? There's a lot of things in life you cannot control. Now, there are certain things in my life I can't control. I can't control at times my being busy, which means I have a lot of things to do. But I can control being too busy. And, and, and that's the point I want to make this morning. It, is you can't control being busy, but you can control being too busy. And, and this is what happened here with the, the innkeeper. And, and, and really, we don't even know if it was an inn. And we don't know if it particularly was an innkeeper. The, the word there for inn is an interesting word, kataluma in the Greek, which doesn't mean anything other than that's the particular word. Is, is That can be translated in a variety of different ways. It's quite possible when Joseph and Mary uh, was going to Bethlehem as they were to go there because they were to be registered. It's quite possible as they went to this this town they hadn't been to for almost ever. It hadn't been there a long time. uh, That they wanted to make sure that when they got there, they had some place to stay. And when you are low on income, if you can't make a reservation at the Holiday Inn or the Marriott or wherever place you'd like to go, you call up a... A friend or family, right? It's quite possible what's happening here is they went to this place. It was a family, a friend that they maybe had sent a note. I don't know how they would have sent the note, but they, but they maybe were expecting that when they got there, their family and friends would have opened up their home. It's quite possible this wasn't an inn. It was a family residence or a residence, residence of a friend. Or it was some building that usually would house a lot of people. But someone came to the door. Someone came out and said, there's no room here. Now, if you've ever if you've ever gone on those cheap vacations, uh, our family used to go a lot of cheap vacations. Still do at times. We go camping and all that kind of stuff. Is that if you if you really don't want to pay the fare for an inn or motel hotel, you you call up a family or friend or just show up on the doorstep. And if they don't have an extra bedroom, you say, "Well, can I throw my sleeping bag on the on the floor?" You're saying, "Well, at least can I have a roof over my head?" Well, this we'll call it an inn just because that's the familiarity of the story. But this innkeeper was not only busy, but he was boring on being too busy because of the choice he made. But as he saw these two come, it was obviously that she was great with child. There was a need here. 
And if you make the story a little bit more, it was family and friends. He, he, he was probably frantic. But look, everyone's coming into the city. Everyone's being registered. I, this, this, this city is overflowing with people. I, it's crowded. I, I, I don't have room for you. I don't have time for you. You're, you're going to have to go someplace else. Can you imagine the missed opportunity? Let, let's say the innkeeper later on came to faith in Christ and looked back at that day and said, look what I missed. There had, there had to be a corner somewhere in this home. She, she could have had my bed. She could, have, she could have been placed someplace where I could have been the person that when the Savior of the world came to the world, I had room for him. What happens to us? there isn't a knock on our door for Mary to come in and to give birth to the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. But there's the, there's the knock on the door of our lives all the time and say, you got room for me. Do you have some space where, where I can come in and, and be with you and, and spend time with you? And what happens? We, we get so crowded by the busyness that not only it's not just about December, it's it's the other 11 months. We we just don't have room. And when that happens, when we're not busy, but we're too busy. We probably don't have a gun to our head. We've got to make some decisions. Or we'll miss. The Christ of Christmas, not only on the 25th, and, and that was decided arbitrarily in the 4th century by a, a bishop of Jerusalem that called the bishop in Rome and said, hey, when do you think Jesus was born? And they decided to plan it so that they could maybe uh, get some of the, the pagan festivals uh, Christianized, and they would probably put a spin on it where they would talk about Jesus during that month of year where people were kind of into celebrating. It's not just about the 25th, is it? It's about making space for Jesus all the time. I read one author and he said this, is that as we think of being like the innkeeper, it's not a particular you know, guest room or a, a place where we could have him physically put into a place where we live. But it's, he said it's the chambers of our soul. Or, or the rooms within our soul, or the, the rooms within our life, and have we opened it up to Him? Isn't that that idea of that other familiar verse? There's quite a few familiar verses in the, in the Bible. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into Him. But we're too busy. And, and, and we just don't give time to the one who came for us. And when we do that, what are we doing? We're settling for the good, not the best. There's nothing wrong with being involved with a lot of good things, but it, it crowds out the best. Then everything good loses its value. It's settling for the unnecessary and not the necessary. It's settling for that which is meaningless and not that which is meaningful. I mean, Happy Holidays is kind of crowded out. <laughs> a Merry Christmas. But even with Merry Christmas, we not only want to have a Merry Christmas, we want to have a meaningful Christmas. And, and some of you will be in environments this Christmas, 
season, whether it be Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And, and there will be there, those there who, who don't want to celebrate the meaning of Christmas. You don't need to force your, your faith on someone, but, but take time for you to, to read the Christmas story. To maybe even remember some of the things we've been emphasizing with the Advent candle. Take, take some time alone and say, well, how about for me? I, I, I can't control what other people are doing on this day. But am, am I making room for Christmas? Or am I settling? Am I settling you know, for the good? It is good to be together with family and friends. I, I, I love doing that. But don't let it crowd out the best. And, and, and you know, as pastors... You know, this is a busy time for us. It's always busy. But I always have to, and I don't always do it well. I have to, am I being too busy? You know, Paul put it this way in Philippians 3, verses 7 and 8. He said, but what things were gained to me, those I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. You know, one of the things happen when you exchange gifts, the, the paper starts flying, doesn't it? The boxes, and if there's tissues in there, and you're going, man, who's going to clean this up? You know, and then you get these bags, and you throw it in there, and, and then everybody's kind of settling things, and they go, wait a minute, I can't find one of my gifts. I don't know, we've had that happen. Okay, we've got to go through what? The, the trash. We've got to figure this out. I'll get lost in the trash. That's what he's saying here. I mean, in the midst of all that I have, man, it's, it's just rubbish. I, I've lost the gift in the midst of all that was opened. Are, are you ready for Christmas? Am I ready for Christmas? Are, are you not busy? Are you too busy to do the, do the opening up of the chambers of your soul to focus on the Christ of Christmas? Well, that was the innkeeper, whether he was an innkeeper or whether he was a family friend or someone that they had met. And, and again, we, we don't even know where, Je- where Jesus was born. It, it could have been a lean-to, you know, next to a building. It could have been uh, in a stable where most of the, the folklore is about where he was at. It, it could have it been in a, in, a, in a field, a courtyard. We don't know, but where he was was not where he could have been. Because someone had no room for him. Secondly, you are too troubled. And the first one we're going to look at now is, is, a, is a man who had prominence during that first Christmas. It's a man named Herod. And turning back to Matthew chapter 2, looking at uh, verses 1 through 3, uh, we again have this familiar part of the story. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was he was troubled. And it was interesting in those days when Herod was troubled. Guess what? Every everybody else was troubled. You know, we have that phrase in our world today, when, when mama's not happy, <laughs> nobody's happy. Well, if, if that is at all true in our world today, let me tell you, if, when Herod was not happy, 
no one was going to be happy. Now, the word troubled is, an, <laughs> is a troubling word in the sense that it can be translated in a variety of different ways, and it was. Uh, it, it can mean uh, agitated. It, it could be confused. It could be stirred up. It could be filled with anger, frustration. And, and this, was, this was Herod's experience. When he heard the news, it should have been good news. The, the one that was promised has arrived, and yet he was troubled. And we know later on he was filled with fury. Our, our troubles come in all kinds of packages, don't they? Some of them, uh, it's, the, it's the little things that add up, and all of a sudden the last straw falls, and we are, we are just... <laughs> We are totally out of it, all right? Sometimes it's the big issues. The big issues get us. And sometimes it's the combination of it. And again, have you discovered that there are certain things in your life that you can't control? Anybody? Okay. Did you hear that before? Do I need to go over that again? There are certain things in your life you can't control. You can't control at times being busy, but you can control about being too busy. I don't know about you, but I can't control about um, the trouble that comes in my life. But putting a little bit different spin, I, I, I can't control by God's spirit how much I am troubled by the troubles. Uh, th- there's all right to be concerned, but th- there is not all right to be filled with despair. You know, God's word tells us that we shouldn't be filled with anxiety. It doesn't mean we don't care. And, and where that line is drawn, where we are overwhelmed by our problems, is that point where we say, well... <laughs> I've missed, if not the meaning, if not the, the person of Christmas, I, I've, I've missed the power that Christmas is supposed to give me in my life. And in the midst of everything going wrong, can, can I turn to someone who's going to give me strength to go through it? And once you even realize it, then we have to decide, do I want that? Now, Herod didn't want it. I mean, he, he didn't want to embrace the one who would come for him because he was filled with his own agenda. And he just thought this was one more threat to his throne. What is it in our lives that, that trouble us where all of a sudden it begins to push out Christmas? And some things you can't control. Some of you have had loved ones that won't be around the table or around the tree or around the family gathering. Some are, are, are facing a variety of things. And, and I'm not trying to minimize any of that. I'm just trying to give you the hope of Christmas. That in the midst of that, you don't have to miss Christmas. You can be ready for Christmas as you recognize that Jesus did come to give you peace in the midst of the storms. That he did give you hope that there is going to be a better day coming. That, that, that there is joy in the midst of sorrow. That there is a love when you feel that no one cares around you. Or the one you cared about most is no longer there, but but God cares for you. In your outline this morning, you are troubled like Herod. And it could be over your finances, it could be over your family, it could be over your future. I mean, I was just even listening earlier this morning, about, again, about the fisc- fiscal cliff that, that we're all uh, facing. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's overwhelming what's happening economically, not only in our country, but around the world. You, you, you have no confidence what's going to happen next. 
And, and that's, that's a reality. But in the midst when Jesus came, there were people filled with riches and people that were impoverished. But he came for both. There was uncertainty in the economic world of that day as well. And, and God says, be concerned, but, but trust me. You've already touched on the family. It, it, it could be not only the loss of ones, but it could be those that you're, you're struggling relationally with. And, and, and there seems to be division rather than unity within the home. And, and how, how, can, how can I celebrate Christmas when I'm the only one who seems to want to celebrate the meaning of Christmas? And God said, I put you there to be a, be a missionary, to, to, to show the love of Christ when maybe no one even cares about the love of Christ. Your future. We, we, you know, we, we live in times where we don't know what's next. And, you know, I guess maybe the reason I said, you know, there's certain things in your life that you can't control because, quite frankly, I, I wouldn't mind being in control. <laughs> I, I'm one of those people who like, it somewhat borders on being a control freak. I, I don't really believe that about myself, but I've heard that of people. You know, it is, you know I, I like things to be under control. But you, we don't have that ability. And, and actually, I'm glad I'm not. If, if, if I was under control, you guys would be in a world of hurt out there, right? And so would I, because I would choose the wrong things for myself as well. And, and that's why Christ came. To realize, hey, it, it's all about giving up control. See, you know what the problem with Herod was? Is that he was a king. He was given that position from the Roman Empire. And, and he liked that position. He didn't want anybody to come in and take his kingdom. And really, that's at the point, really, for most of us, not only on December, but throughout the, throughout the year, it's the struggle I have on a daily basis. And if you're a Christ follower, you recognize that struggle. If you're not a Christ follower, this is the struggle. Each day, do I want to surrender control of my life or I want to take it back? He didn't want to give up his, his throne. If you know anything about Herod, Herod was a bad man. I Let me tell you, he was a bad man in, in the sense he was evil and he was a bad man because he had power. He had 10 wives, multiple children. And and um, when his children get a certain age and he thought maybe they wanted his position, you know what he'd do with them? He'd execute them. He'd take their lives. If he thought the mother was conniving, he would take her life as well. I mean, he would take anyone who was a threat to the throne that he enjoyed having. And uh, he, he was filled with ego. At his death, the story is, is that he knew that his days here were numbered. And so he took his most loyal people and he said, I want you to imprison the most distinguished people surrounding my community. And I want you to put them in prison. And at my death, I want you to execute them all. And the reason he wanted them executed, because when I die, I want people to cry. I want them to weep on that day. Now, of course, they weren't weeping for him. They were weeping for all those who had been murdered. But this is the man who was troubled because someone wanted to take his little kingdom. Why do we miss Christmas? Why, why are we not ready for Christmas? We're, we're too busy or we're too overwhelmed by our troubles or our our passions or our agendas and and we don't make room in the chambers of our soul for the christ of christmas are you ready for christmas are you too busy are you are you too troubled are you too comfortable 
Now, this, is, this was an interesting thing as I began to look at it and just reflect upon it. In fact, I went back and forth as far as, you know, what, what's the heart of, of this response at the first Christmas. So look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, and we have these words. And when he had gathered, again, Herod, all the chief priests and scribes, the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Because these wise men come in, you know, where's this, uh, the king of the kings, the king of the Jews going to be born? He didn't have the answer to that, so he went to the people who did have the answers uh, and um, went to the highly educated and those who were in, uh, in spiritual positions of prominence and he inquired of them where Christ was to be born, verse 5. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it was written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So uh, this is a group of people who, who knew the right answer. Now, for us who live in America, even though we've cluttered Christmas in a great way, and our favorite memory of Christmas, the Christmas story is the movie, The Christmas Story and a BB gun, is that we've heard the story. I mean, there, there's enough, you know, some of it's not totally accurate, but there's enough on Christmas cards that kind of give you a clue to what's going on. You've seen nativity scenes, and, and we've been to services like this, and we've, we've heard the story read, and, and we're very familiar with it. Maybe a little bit too familiar with it, and, and we get, we get a little comfortable with it, and and again we don't we don't see how it's supposed to reach the core of who we are, and that's whether we're on the first step of the journey or later down on that journey, and after already embracing him, it, we get a little bit familiar with it, a little bit too comfortable with it. And, and, you know the interesting thing about this story about the priests and the scribes, and we can call them the highly educated ones, the scribes, is they, they got the right answer. They knew the facts. They sent the wise men later on, we know, to discover where Jesus was. And at this point, he could have been one year of age, a year and a half of age, probably out of the, out of the courtyard or the stable or the field, wherever he was born. And as they sent the wise men out, who didn't follow the wise men? The priests and the scribes. I'm thinking, you got, you got to be kidding me. You knew where he was. You knew more than the wise men who came. All about this promised one who was to come. He, he was, Isaiah says that he was eternal father, wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace. And you're not even curious? I mean, I... Um, some of the members of my family really, really like parades, and, and uh, when I was younger, we went to the Rose Parade all the time, and so once you see the Rose Parade ten times, you know, it's hard to get over, you know, see other parades. <laughs> it's pretty the granddaddy of them all. Uh, but can you imagine if, if Jesus was going to be in the parade? I think I'd break my, my habit here. I think I'd go down there and look. I might even go there late at night and stay in a sleeping bag and make sure I got a good seat because Jesus is going to be in this parade. They didn't even they didn't even leave where they were at to go see hey, is this. I think that's where he's supposed to be. I, I'm not going to check it out. Why? Because. They didn't see their need. And that's what I have in your, in your outline. If you don't see your need, you're going to miss Christmas. If I don't see my need every Christmas that I got to reflect on what this is all about, then I miss it. And, of course, that begs that what is our need? Our need is why he came. He came to seek and save that which is lost. He came because of our sin. 
And all of us are in that condition. And either our sin is forgiven or it still needs to be forgiven. Either our sin is, is being transformed in terms of the power over it because of the Savior or we're still living in it. They didn't see their need. They didn't see their sin. And they didn't see the Savior. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. And when the Pharisees saw this is the, their reaction to him as he was involved in ministry, they said to his disciples, why, why does your teachers eat with tax collectors and sinners? I always think of Kareem when I talk about tax collectors and sinners. All right. When Jesus heard not, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are what? Sick. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm like a lot of men. Um, I can relate to, to John's shopping analogy this, 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 <laughs> this morning. I, and I'm like most men. I don't go to doctors unless, you know, something needs amputated. All right. I don't, it, it, you know, I, because I'm not, I'm not sick. All right. So if I'm not sick. Why do I go to doctors? And so I got kind of pushed recently to go have a checkup and stuff like that. And that's another story I won't get into. But, but, but you know, if you don't sense the need, you're not going to make the, make the move. And see, that's what Christmas is about. It's, saying, man, it's not other people need it. I need it. And again, we're, we're, we're talking not just about December 25th. We're, we're talking about the whole experience of knowing God. If you don't need him, then he's not coming for you. And just, just as they saw that, why, why are you with those people? Because they see their need. They see their sin. They, they need a savior. And they didn't get it. Are we ready for Christmas? Are we too busy? Are, are we too troubled? In other words, we're overwhelmed by what's wrong and we don't see that God can make that which is wrong even right. Are we too comfortable? And I like being comfortable. But if I'm too comfortable, I, I don't see my need of His touch on my life. And the last one, really rapidly. <laughs> Uh, are you too religious? You know, turning back to Luke 2, and I, I'm just going to try to summarize this. In Luke chapter 2, we have that familiar, again, reason why they went to, to, uh, to Bethlehem. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus and all the world should be registered. This census took place while Quirinius was governing, governing Syria and all went to be registered, even everyone to his own city. Now, the reason I throw this in, if the, if the first one, being too busy, is illustrated in the innkeeper, and the second one, being too troubled, is illustrated by Herod, and if the third people who are too comfortable are illustrated by the priest, and you could say the highly educated, the, the, the last one being too religious are, are, interesting enough, illustrated by not only the Jewish people that day, but also the Romans. And I guess you could say that really illustrated by everybody, because everybody worships. And I don't have time to define worship, but we, we all have that which we value most. And if we value, if we value anything or anyone more than God in this life, then, then somehow we're, we're being religious or we're worshiping or we, we have values that, that will miss the greatest, the greatest opportunity to connect with that which is most precious. Jesus talked about the, the pearl of great price, and he is that which is more valuable than anything else in this world. 
the, the Romans, and this is this is my quick summary. You know, um, you know, Augustus, Augustus Caesar. Augustus means exalted one, and he was actually a pretty effective leader. But he actually built temples that really deified himself, and the Romans would would worship who the Caesar. And, and and the Jewish people that day, they they had the right God, but they had somehow cluttered cluttered their understanding of who God was, and they they put all their all their confidence in well, uh, ethnically, I'm I'm a I'm a son of Abraham, and and we're following the law of Moses, and they missed that Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And it doesn't matter who we are. If the answer to the question, well, can you talk to me about your faith? And your response is, well, you know, I'm a, um, I'm a Catholic and I, I follow the Pope. Or I'm, I'm a Mormon and I follow the teachings of Joseph Smith. Or I'm a, I'm a Baptist and I follow John the Baptist. I don't know where you would get that. Or I was even thinking, well, I go to Grace Hills. I follow Pastor Mike. <laughs> I said, don't do that because he gets lost, all right? I got a, I got a, I got a, <laughs> some of you don't know what that is all about, but we will, we'll spare you that. I, I got a funny, I got a funny Christmas card from the Myerses and on it, they, they had a litany of all the things they had done and they mentioned that they had been to Hume Lake and on it they said, but we weren't missing. <laughs> uh, a story that didn't need, didn't need to be repeated, but thanks for that. All right. Uh, you know, if we're following after anything else more than God, then, then we'll miss Christmas. So what's the so what this morning? Are you ready for Christmas? It, it begins to understand it's all about. It's all about understanding it's the Christ, the promised one, the anointed one, the Messiah. The one who was named Jesus because he would come to save us from our sin. He's the one who's Emmanuel, the God with us. He came for you. And have you opened up the chambers of your soul to say... I want to be all about him. God gives us so much beyond that. And that's what you're going to experience with family and friends as you celebrate Christmas. But make room. Not, not just adding Jesus to your life. He's not a hobby. It's not a nod to God, as some people say. It's saying, I want him to be the center of who I am. And, I, and with that, then life carries on that which is most meaningful and most abundant. Let's pray. Father, there might be some here this morning that have never made that step. And the step is, is, is not a difficult one in terms of complexity. But it is a difficult one in terms of, of sincerity and, and commitment. Dear Lord, uh, the grace of God is here for those people who feel they're unworthy of the love of Christ. And none of us are worthy. All of us are needing your, your forgiveness. And we're never at the point where we've arrived either. But Father, I just want to speak to those who, who've never made that commitment. Might this be the day where they express to you what's in their heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I want to know you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Take the throne of my life. Lead me in any way you want me to lead, to to go. I want to follow you. And might that be the prayer of our heart, that we always want to follow you. 
And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. As we... Uh,